It's the Chronicles of Aguna, and we're live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's trip to Aston Villa. Of course, that one kicks off at 12.30 on Saturday. It's live on BT Sport here in the UK. And if you fancy joining us right here on the Chronicles of Aguna for our live watch-along broadcast Come along to our YouTube channel, subscribe if you haven't already, turn your notifications on, that way you'll never miss a thing and uh, you can join me for that one. I'll be bringing you commentary um, as well as interacting with all of you guys in the live chat throughout that game. And it's become a very, very important game, hasn't it, Uh, with Arsenal failing uh, to take anything from the game at Molyneux the other night. Now, it was always an important game uh, to a degree, but of course, I think the, the need for a win the need for all three points at Villa Park has has significantly increased off the back of not winning at Wolves. If you remember back to maybe two or three shows ago, I was talking about the fact that I wanted to see Arsenal get seven points from the games between us and Wolves, us and Villa and us and Leeds. But of course, that is now impossible. The maximum we can now take is six. And um, that defeat at Molyneux, wasn't ideal. You know, you look at Aston Villa, they're a far better side than Wolves at the moment. Um, They've had a much better season. They carry plenty of attacking threat. Lots of players that I really admire in that Aston Villa side. The likes of Ollie Watkins, Jack Grealish, especially top, top player. I think Ross Barkley's found a new lease of life at Aston Villa as well. So there's plenty to be worried about when it comes to Aston Villa this weekend. But what I will say is that if Arsenal can perform to the level at which they've they've shown in the last few weeks at certain times and during certain periods, particularly in that first half at Molyneux, then there's absolutely no reason why Arsenal can't go to Villa Park and win. You know, it's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. I think I gave Dean Smith quite a bit of stick last season. But I think he's proved a lot of people wrong in terms of his managerial ability. I think he's done really, really well at Aston Villa. He was backed by the club, obviously, but you still have to spend that money right. And, you know, you've seen it at Arsenal and you've seen it at other places. If you don't spend that money right, actually, you know, it could be it could be your downfall. Dean Smith, to his credit, what he has bought, he's bought well. Um, and he's improved the side significantly. They're above Arsenal in the Premier League at the moment. Um, and, you know, that kind of tells you all you need to know about, you know, obviously it's been a bad season for Arsenal, but that tells you all you need to know about the progress that Aston Villa have shown. Let's not forget they just about escaped relegation last season. They're a point clear of us in ninth, but they also have two games in hand over us. So if they were to win those two games, they could potentially go 35, 38 points and there'd be seven points between Aston Villa and Arsenal, which is a huge difference and a huge margin. 
Credit where credit's due, Aston Villa have, have, have had a really good season so far. And, and as I say, if Arsenal play to their maximum, there's no reason why uh, they can't go there and turn Aston Villa over. However, it's not going to be easy and there is no real room for error. You know, you allow the likes of Jack Grealish and Ollie Watkins to get on the ball in those dangerous areas. They showed it at the Emirates Stadium earlier this season. They will punish us. They didn't just beat us at the Emirates Stadium earlier this season. They hammered us a 3-0 win for Aston Villa that day. And we're going to spend some time having a look at some of the stats and the facts uh, going into this one. And then I'll be sharing with you guys my starting eleven. Um my prediction, and I'd love to hear from you guys as well in the live chat. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already and you are watching us via YouTube, be sure to hit the like button. Be sure to subscribe to the channel if you are new. Right, let's have a look at the head-to-head between Aston Villa and Arsenal in the Premier League. Now, this is only based on the Premier League era, of course, but the two teams have met 51 times. Arsenal have won 27 of those and Aston Villa have won just 10. There have been 14 draws between the two sides over the years. So Arsenal having the real lion's share uh, of victories when it comes to this fixture in the Premier League. Of course, Arsenal uh, in years gone by were competing right at the very top of the division, whereas Aston Villa... um, haven't always been, you know, Aston Villa are a huge, huge football club. And to be quite frank, they've, you know, they've underachieved, I think, as a club for years and years and years. Sometimes, um, you know, they've they've done really well. Um, I remember in particular under Martin O'Neill, uh, they had a, cu- a few really good seasons. But at other times, they've been really, really poor. So that's why that stat is so heavily stacked in Arsenal's favour. And the thing is, when you go back on history, you'll actually find that this stat probably leans towards Arsenal uh, in a lot of the head-to-heads, but it's not a real reflection of where we are at now. If you look at the recent meetings between the two sides, as I mentioned, Sunday 8th of November, one of those dreaded 7-15 kickoffs, Aston Villa came to the Emirates and, um, blew us away. They beat us by three goals to nil. Obviously, a couple of those goals came late on through Ollie Watkins. I think it was the 72nd, 75th minute, uh, the brace. So yeah, they didn't put the game to bed till quite late on. But Arsenal never, ever, in my opinion, looked like winning that game. Obviously, we lost Thomas Partey that day um, as well to injury at half time, which was a massive blow and went on to have a massive impact on us uh, moving forward. But after that defeat, we didn't win a single Premier League game in our next six. And that defeat against Aston Villa was very much the start of that really dreadful run that we went through earlier on in the campaign. You know, we'd come into that game off the back of a win at Old Trafford. Everybody was buzzing. Everybody felt as though we were on the right track. And then that happened and that really set us back. And the the damage that did to our confidence, I think, shouldn't be underestimated. As I pointed out, we went six games after that without winning one in the Premier League. And that's very much why we're in the position that we find ourselves now. Prior to that, of course, we lost at Villa Park after the restart last season. It was a 1-0 win for Dean Smith's side that night. Um, Earlier on in the campaign, we had beaten Aston Villa uh, at the Emirates Stadium by three goals to two. Uh, Last, uh, sorry, the 15-16 season, which was the last time We played Villa in the Premier League. Of course, they had an absence due to being relegated to the Championship. We won 2-0 at Villa Park that day and we won 4-0 at at the Emirates, sorry, yep, uh, in uh, May 2016. So 
pretty comfortable victories. But since Aston Villa's promotion back to the division, it was a narrow win for us at the Emirates on September uh, in September 2019. It was a defeat for us at Villa Park in July 2020. And most recently, of course, November 2020, we suffered that 3-0 defeat that I've mentioned. Going into this one, let's look at the form of the two sides. Now, Arsenal go into this one in slightly better form uh, than Aston Villa because Arsenal have lost just one of their last five, whereas Aston Villa have lost three of their last five. Now, granted, one of them was away to Manchester City, but they did lose at Burnley and they were, I think, comprehensively beaten by West Ham United uh, at Villa Park earlier on in the week. Of course, Arsenal lost at Wolves, but prior to that, we had a respectable draw against Manchester United, a 3-1 win at Southampton, um, a 3-0 home win over Newcastle United and a draw with Crystal Palace. Now, season so far, as I've pointed out already, Aston Villa are above us in the table as things stand. They sit in ninth place with the Gunners in 10th. Aston Villa have won 10 games. We've won nine. They've drawn just twice. We've drawn on four occasions. They've lost eight times and we've lost nine. Now they average 1.7 goals per match. Arsenal average a much less, uh, much lower, sorry, 1.23 goals per game. In terms of average goals conceded, Arsenal edge it in that in that instance, we have average on average, sorry, concede one goal per match, whereas Aston Villa on average concede 1.2. Having said that, they have kept more clean sheets than us. They've kept 10 clean sheets in comparison to Arsenal's eight. And of course, they've played two games less as well. And they also create chances with far more regularity. Now, I'd argue that's not been the case in recent weeks. But of course, these stats are based on the course of this Premier League season. So they look back throughout the season. And that's why in terms of chance creation, I think that the stat for Arsenal is a little bit misleading because actually we know that that's improved dramatically in recent weeks. In terms of the top goal scorer in this fixture, well, Ollie Watkins leads the way with nine. Alexander Lacazette is second with eight and Jack Grealish is in third. In terms of assists, no surprise. Jack Grealish leads the way with 10. John McGinn in second with four. And actually, to many people's surprise, Willian is in third with three. Um, but I think we can all agree that none of us really particularly want to see Willian uh, in the side. In terms of passes, Granit Xhaka leads the way here. 1,179 passes played in the Premier League this season. Rob Holding is a close second and Gabriel is in third. When it comes to tackles, it's two Aston Villa players leading the way. Matty Cash and Matt Target, their fullbacks closely followed by Granite Xhaka in third. So those are kind of some of the stats, some of the facts uh, leading into this one. <clears throat> and hopefully, apologies for that. Hopefully that provide a little bit of context uh, as to how this game might go uh, on Saturday. Let's go over to the live comments section and see what you guys are saying. A big hello to Steve, to Kai, uh, to Jonathan, who says, I think we need to start quickly. Villa are a confidence side. Yep, I agree with that. I, I think if we start the way we did against Wolves and, you know, it, we, we've started like that quite often lately. You know, I thought we started like that against Southampton as well in the league, and it worked really well. I didn't think we started like that necessarily against Man United, but I accept that Mikel Arteta was probably being a little bit more cautious in that game, given the threat that Manchester United possess. So I understand that approach. I haven't got an issue with it. Um, <clears throat> but I think you're right. If Arsenal do start quickly, 
it would be great. It would take Villa. You'd think it would take Villa by surprise. You know, they would have been watching our games of late and understood that that is something we're going to try and do. But it's one thing knowing it's going to happen and it's another thing dealing with it. And Arsenal, when they play like that, I think at the moment are unplayable. When they pick the right team and there's the right balance on the pitch and the right intensity applied from all, I think Arsenal are, are really difficult to live with. But having said that, you know, you can play that way. You can start that way like we did at Wolves. But if you don't take the opportunities that come your way, if you don't capitalise when you're on top, then you can pay the ultimate price. And as much as, you know, you feel as though the referees and the, and the officials and some of the decisions that were made at Molyneux had a massive impact on the outcome of the game and really, really set us back. There's no getting away from the fact that we should have been in a position by then based on our level of performance, whereby that kind of decision was not going to completely turn the tide. And and that's, you know, that's something that we have to look at ourselves for. That's something we have to do better at, something we have to be better at. And again, you know, it's not to take away from from those from that particular decision, the one involving David Luiz. Anyone who's watched the show over the last few days will know that I, I was incensed by it. I'm livid about it. I felt like the Premier League, um, off the back of not overturning it, have missed a golden opportunity in which they saw a very two very similar incidents occur on the same night. I think they've missed a golden opportunity to actually clarify that law, make it right, um, tweak it as it needs to be tweaked to avoid that kind of situation happening again. Even more baffling how they've overturned Jan Bednarek's record and not overturned David Luiz's. But as was discussed on last night's Social Club, it feels very much like they are able uh, to probably hide behind the law a little bit more on that one. Um, sorry, on on David Lewis's one than they were with the Bednarek one because they've probably adjudged Anthony Marshall uh, to have dived. I don't know. Quick reminder, though, if you haven't checked it out, uh, the social club returned last night with myself, Simon Alavi and Dan DeLuca. Uh, so it's the last video on the channel. If you're listening via the audio, it's the last podcast in the feed. So do check that out. We talk Arsenal on the social club, but we also... Um, talk about some of the wider issues and wider stories in the Premier League. So last night, uh, following Spurs' defeat at, uh, against Chelsea, we discussed Spurs a little bit, um, you know, and, and the predicament they find themselves in, whether Jose Mourinho is a dinosaur um, and all that jazz. And we also touched on Liverpool and what's happened to them of late. So plenty to get your teeth into over there. Right. Um, let's see what else you guys are saying. Um, Kville says we need to high press, get going really quickly and avoid having to have our backup goalkeeper getting under early pressure. Agree. Uh, Zissi says Aston Villa were a shit show at home to West Ham this week. Hopefully this continues tomorrow. Uh, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, big hello to Derek, who joins us from Australia. He says, hi, buddy. Good day, gentlemen from Australia. So, Harry, no one's saying about all the games we've played. Other teams have games in hand. Yeah, the, the, the number of games has impacted us. It's been a problem. I think it's led to some of the injury issues that we're seeing. I think the fact that people don't have time to get back to full fitness is, is contributing to, you know, some of these problems dragging on. I think Kieran Tierney's a prime example of that. The thing is, the, the games that these teams have in hand are off the back of games being cancelled because of COVID-19. So, on the one hand, 
do they have an advantage because they've played less football at this point? Probably, um, you know, and, and they're able to be sharp and fitter maybe, but they're still going to have to play those games at some point in the season. And I think we just have to kind of accept that the circumstances around this season with the pandemic and everything like that are just a million miles away from being ideal. And we shouldn't really, in my opinion, and it is only my opinion, make a massive issue of that. You know, we knew that when this season started, there was a good chance that it might stop, let alone us having to, you know, just postpone a few fixtures here and there and try and fit them in elsewhere. Um, Chris Castell joins us from Cyprus. How are you doing, Chris? He says, afternoon, Harry. We were really poor in the home game versus Villa. I think we're going to win at the weekend. We need to come back strong after the Wolves game. Yeah, and hopefully Arsenal can use what happened at Wolves to kind of fuel fuel a, a bit of a revenge uh, crusade because Arsenal played really well at Wolves. And and there's, you know, as much as I I feel like had we taken some of those opportunities, then we would have been in a position where the David Luiz incident doesn't make so much of a difference. There is no getting away from the fact that that was probably one of the best 45 minutes of football Arsenal have played under Mikel Arteta. And I genuinely mean that, you know, Partey was immense. Xhaka controlling the midfield. Bukayo Saka was sharp as anything, getting in behind. Nicolas Pepe, the same on the other flank, scored a brilliant individual goal. Lacazette linking up with people. And Mill Smith-Rowe was brilliant as well. Cedric was really good at left wing back. You know, the centre-backs up until that point looked very, very solid. So, We've got to, what Mikel Arteta has to do as a manager is he has to use that disappointment and use it as fuel to get Arsenal in gear and get Arsenal, you know, driving at Aston Villa from from the off and, and really making the game difficult for them. Equally, he's got to get the negatives out of players' minds. You know, we can't be, we can't go into the game feeling sorry for ourselves based on what happened the other night. You can... You know, Arsene Wenger's great teams, if you remember, used to use anger a lot uh, to actually push them on. And, and and that's the key, isn't it? You've got to make it into an anger and a determination rather than feeling downbeat and, and feeling sorry for yourselves. And that's the difference. And, and Mikel Arteta, hopefully, uh, will be able to do that. And hopefully the squad uh, will be able to channel that frustration from Tuesday night in the right way. Uh, Sudanwa says, uh, we need to make sure we take our chances against a side like Villa. We should have been out of sight against Wolves before everything went down, especially with Martinez looking to redeem himself. Yeah, of course, Emmy Martinez had a, a poor game actually in midweek, which you know what that means, don't you? It means he's going to have an absolute blinder against us this weekend. Uh, Steve Stone says, Villa are a good side, no question. Can we get a result? Could have beat Man U, should have beat Wolves. At our best, we'll give them a game for sure, but we've got to perform as there's no room for error. Yeah, completely agree. And in Arsenal's overall, you know, picture right now, there isn't much room for error because of how far we are uh, from where we need to be. You know, I've just highlighted it earlier on, you know, we're talking about climbing up the table, but the climb is going to be a slow climb. So if in two weeks you're still looking at Arsenal and you're seeing Arsenal, you know, sitting in ninth, eighth position, don't panic just yet. The the, the thing you really need to look at and really need to worry about is the points gap, not the actual position, because I just think that's cosmetic. You know, you look at Arsenal in 10th, um, but take Aston Villa out of the picture 
And although Spurs have a game in hand, we're only two points behind them at the moment. You know, take it up to Chelsea, who have played the same amount of games as us on 36 points. They're only five points ahead of us. So that's what you've got to be focusing on. That's what you've got to be looking at. There isn't much room for error. I completely agree. But as Arsenal fans now, let's not get bogged down in terms of what our actual league position says. Let's worry about the points gaps and the points differences between us and those teams we need to chase. Because the table, with so many games not have having not been played, with so many teams in and around the mix on, on a different number of games, it doesn't tell the full picture. So, yeah, let's let's worry about that. Let's focus on ourselves. Um, but I agree with you. You know, Aston Villa have the capability of of punishing you if you're not at your best. Um, 28 Guy Happy says, tricky game. Hard to predict football matches these days. All on the day. Depends how fatigued players are and the motivation, etc. Agreed. Um, big hello to Nadine. Um, says, afternoon all. One of our newest members. If you're interested in becoming a member of the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel, click the link in the description for more information that will show you the three tiers of membership available to you. And you can decide which, if any of those uh, appeal to you. Uh, we released this week's piece of members content yesterday, uh, which was a deep dive into Granite Xhaka and what I call his undeniable importance to this Arsenal side. So if you are a gold member or above, that is available to you now on YouTube. I'd love to hear your feedback on that in the comments. Did you enjoy it? Did you like it? You know, what did you like? What didn't you like? I'd love to hear it in the comments. Uh, so let me know. Um, and yeah, check that out if you're a gold member or above. It, some of you were asking me yesterday about upgrading memberships. I'm, I think if you go into the membership tab, you can click on a different tier and change it. But I will look into that in a bit more detail uh, for you. So that's that. Um, let's go back to the live chat before I share with you guys my uh, my starting 11 and prediction for the game. Um, Kendall's gone for a 2-0 if Ryan's in goal, 2-1 if Runarsson's in goal. Uh, YNG Nikki asks, do you think Erdegaard will get his first start versus Villa? Um, you'll have to wait and see. I'm going to bring you my um, my predicted lineup in a minute. Uh, so hold fire on that one. I will answer it in a second. Kavion says, this farcical bias refereeing against us has been going on for ages. Looks like orders from up top, if you ask me. Xander uh, says, just a rumour, but noises are that Matt Ryan has been past fit. So we'll start tomorrow. Hopefully it's true. Um, Pat Moyles asks if Rob Holding, in my opinion, is knocking on the England door. We discussed this a little bit a few days ago. And look, if he continues to perform the way he is, then there's no reason why he shouldn't be considered by Gareth Southgate. I genuinely believe that. I think he's been much improved. I think I, I still question whether Rob Holding is in the top, top bracket of centre-halves. But, you know, we're talking about England at a time where defensively, you know, gone are the days of John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, Sol Campbell. You know, we're looking at people like John Stones, who's playing really well at the moment, but has shown that he can have dips. We're talking about Harry Maguire, who I don't particularly rate. We're talking about people like Tyrone Mings, who yeah, he's all right, but that's about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, Pat, that, that Rob Holding is, is certainly knocking on the door. And if he continues to turn in the level of performance he has done of late, how can Gareth Southgate ignore him? He can't. Um, 
Let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Russ Morgan says, I hope Pepe starts tomorrow. Uh, Chris Castell says, points-wise, we're much better than last year, as well as the goals conceded. Stat is better. It's a really, really good point. Uh, Xander says, the table only matters at full-time in game week 38. We just have to get three points in each game. Um, I agree with that. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Zeus has gone for a 1-0 win and also points out that Holding should be above Eric Dyer. He's so shit, I forgot to even include him. Um, but yeah, completely agree with you. Uh, right, let's uh, let's go on to share with you um, my... my um, I'm not going to say predicted. I'm going to say the starting eleven that I would go with uh, for the game against Aston Villa at Villa Park, which, as I've said, is, of course, scheduled to take place at 12.30 on Saturday. And don't forget, uh, you can come and join us right here on this channel uh, for the watch along. That's on YouTube only. So if you are subscribed and listening via the audio platforms then you uh, and you want to join us, then you need to come over to the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to it, turn your notifications on. And I look forward uh, to joining you or having you guys join me uh, for the game. Can't wait. Right, let's go through uh, what my team would be now. I know there are rumours about Matty Ryan and I'd quite like Matty Ryan to be fit because I'm not Renarsson's biggest fan, as you guys will know. However, if he hasn't trained all week and you've got to remember as well that, that Matty Ryan hasn't played a game for Brighton since, if I'm not mistaken, the first couple of weeks of December. So he's not necessarily sharp, Matty Ryan. He's not necessarily in tip-top shape and he's carrying a knock. I know a lot of Arsenal fans would feel a lot more comfortable uh, with Matty Ryan in between the sticks. But I think it will probably be Runarsson. And based on what I've just said, although this guy doesn't fill me with confidence, I, I feel like he's he's become a little bit of a... You know, Mikel Arteta was talking about it yesterday, saying that Renarsson's been treated and and come under a little bit more scrutiny than he probably deserves. And I think that's probably right. It, it, I'm guilty of doing that. I'm guilty, uh, you know, of of writing the guy off. But I think Renarsson probably, probably just has the edge based on the fact that he's been training and, um, and Matty Ryan hasn't. Uh, Russ raises a really good point, actually, in the comments. He says, Renarsson was dropped from the Europa League team. What does this mean for the lad? I think that Mikel Arteta only wants uh, a couple of goalkeepers in his Europa League squad. And he's kind of made it very clear in the last few days that actually Renarsson was brought in with a view to being Arsenal's third choice goalkeeper and not more than that. Um, so I don't think as much as it's kind of come as a bit of a surprise to us as the supporters, I don't think it would have come as a major surprise to Renarsson, who will obviously be having those conversations with Mikel Arteta regularly, who would have known what his role was intended to be when he was signed. Um, I think he's just the third choice goalkeeper. I think that's where that where we're at with Renarsson and, um, and that's it. In terms of the back four, um, it looks we're going to be without Kieran Tierney again. So Cedric will continue at left back for me, um, which means at right back, Hector Bayerin continues. And again, I thought Cedric did pretty well against Wolves um, to, to play on his, his wrong side and be competent again. You've also got a factor in the fact that he had a Dharma Traore coming down that side who is very, very difficult to stop. I think he links up 
pretty well with the left winger as well, Cedric, who I'll come on to to share with you guys in a bit. My one of my concerns against Wolves was that I felt that we gave away uh, too many crossing opportunities in those wide areas. You know, in in this kind of area here, um, you know, I thought we didn't defend that area well enough, and I thought we didn't defend it well enough um, on the other side as well. You've got to be wary of somebody like Jack Grealish here. Um, you know, I'll just bring a, a counter on and we'll just use that as Grealish um, kind of demonstrate what I'm talking about here. With Grealish, although he's a left-footed player playing on the right-hand side predominantly, a lot of people kind of, what they try and do is they try and, um, they quick, they, they, they try to cut inside, don't they? They, they try to cut inside. That's what people think Jack Grealish is going to do. Um, but actually, Jack Grealish has shown time and time again this season, he can go this way as well. He can go on the outside and often he gets to the byline and then he cuts inside. And when he's in this area, he's really, really dangerous. So Hector Bellerin has to be on his best form, if you ask me, uh, to cope with Jack Grealish. I think what that means is with Jack Grealish in the side, Arsenal going to have to be a little bit more cautious on that right flank um, because Grealish is is key to Villa. Everything they do that's good goes through him and he will be a problem. And as I said, he has the ability, despite being right-footed, to go past people on the outside as well, get to that byline and play balls back across the penalty area into the danger zone. So watch out uh, for Grealish is what I would say. At centre-back, I would go with... Um, Gabriel, of course, David Luiz suspended. I think Gab uh, David Luiz has played actually really well of late, barring that moment where he got caught out of position that ultimately led to the sending off. I think he's done um, really, really well. So um, I, I would have kept David Luiz in the side um, had his red card been overturned, but it hasn't been. And so Gabriel comes in at left centre-back for me alongside Rob Holding, who, as I've said, time and time again in recent weeks, has definitely nailed down that right central defensive position as his own. Um, I had doubts about him. I had question marks about him. But to his credit, he's shown up, he's turned up, he's delivered and he deserves his place in the side. In midfield, this picks itself for me. Um, I've said it for weeks. They're the most balanced pair in the Arsenal have at their disposal. Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey wrote a piece yesterday for 90 min. If you haven't checked it out on the undeniable importance um, of Granite Xhaka. And as I said earlier on, that was the focus and that was the theme of this week's members video. So if you haven't checked that out already and you're a gold member or above, uh, head over, let me know your thoughts on it. If you are not a member of the channel and you want to become one, click on the link in the description and you'll get access depending on the tier you decide to go for to our members only content as well as a number of other perks. Um, going back to the drawing board uh, in the number 10 role, I know a lot of you want to see Martin Erdogan start a game for Arsenal but I can't see it. I think as long as Smith Rowe is fit, Smith Rowe continues. He's been key to Arsenal's um, Arsenal's um, improvement of late and I don't see why he deserves to be dropped. I know people will say, well, what did we go and sign Erdogan for on a on a six-month loan deal if he's not going to get any opportunities? And I completely get that, but he will get opportunities because Emil Smith-Rowe's fitness is not quite where it needs to be. I think we can all agree on that. So I think he will get opportunities. Don't forget, we've got a Europa League tie to come as well. Um, you know, so I, I don't, Doubt that 
that Odegaard will get game time when the time is right. But I, th- I still feel like Smith Rowe is the go-to man in this position for Arsenal right now. As I say, he's been key to our recent success and he's done nothing uh, to deserve being dropped. So unless physically um, Mikel Arteta feels as though he's not quite there, he's not at the races, maybe um, he's, 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 on, he's in the red in terms of the risk of him picking up an injury, then maybe Mikel will make that change. But if it were me uh, and, and Emil Smith-Rowe is fit, then I would, I would stick with him. On the right, another name that that is nailed on on the team sheet for me nowadays is Bukayo Saka. We've seen this player really take it up a level since he switched to the right flank. Again, he was really impressive against Wolves. Um, unlucky to have had a goal ruled out. Um, unlucky to have hit the post as well inside the first minute. So yeah, Bukayo Saka's in excellent form and he he should continue for me. And on the left-hand side, I know Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is available according to Mikel Arteta, but he did say that he hasn't trained much in the last 10 days. He didn't look sharp at all when he came on against Wolves the other night. And so for me, given his impressive form as well, and the balance that this seems to give us with this front three, Nicolas Pepe has to continue. I've spoken about it previously, but I'll just touch on it again because I think the importance of not playing with an inverted winger when you've got an inverted fullback is really, really key. You're looking at Nicolas Pepe and, and you're looking at him going on the outside of people, um, which is adds a bit of variation to his game because when he plays on the right, it's very one-dimensional. This way, he is able to drift in field and he's also able to go on the outside of people and use that explosive pace. Add to that the fact that when Cedric gets forward, he's more likely uh, you know, to, to want to dart in field um, like so because he is a right-footed player then I think it's imperative that one of them goes on the outside creates the space and and you have the right balance the right combination in an ideal world I think Mikel Arteta would rather have a left-footed left back and a right-footed left winger because he loves that inversion he loves the the fact that one can go on the outside of the other we've seen it work to good effect with Kieran Tierney and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang at times but beggars can't be choosers this is the situation we're in and with Cedric at left back aside from the fact that Pepe has been immense of late, he's playing his best football in an Arsenal shirt. You know, the the pair, I think, complement each other quite well. So that's where, that's what I would do. And then up top, um, you've got to stick with Alexander Lacazette. It's been so important in almost knitting all the work that these guys up front, these three guys behind him have been doing in recent weeks. He's been imperative to occupying defenders, almost being a bit of a wall to bounce the ball off of uh, when you're in and around the penalty area. And he's contributed with some goals lately. Um, I've really, really enjoyed his performances of late. So Alexander Lacazette will start through the middle for me. So that is my Arsenal 11 to face Aston Villa. This is my 11, Um, not necessarily Mikel Arteta's. This is what I would go with. Just want to make that clear. And I'll just quickly run through it once more for those of you listening via the audio platforms. It's Renarsson in goal. It's a back four of Bayerin holding Gabriel and Cedric with a midfield pivot of Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey. A trio of Nicolas Pepe, Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukayo Saka providing support to Alexander Lacazette. So no Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for me in the starting lineup. No Martin Erdogan either. That's what I would go with. Um, a couple of other things to mention ahead of this one. Of course, Bern Leno, uh, who is missing, along with Bukayo Saka, have both been nominated uh, for the um, 
the Premier League Player of the Month award for January. So congratulations to both of them. Arsenal, Twitter, do your thing. Uh, let's make it happen. Let's get them uh, some awards. Um, I've spoken about Bamiang a little bit already. I know he's available, but how fit is he? How ready is he? And as much as I love Pierre-Emerick Bamiang because he is a goal threat, you know, he is someone that's contributed hugely to Arsenal in the last few seasons. I do think that we're a better balanced side without him. I really, really do. And it's not to take away from him. And, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't play every single week because, you know, there sometimes you can carry that kind of player who's a little bit on the peripheries of the game, knowing that he has that goal for it and that he can come up trumps for you at any point. But right now, I think this this three behind Alexander Lacazette are playing so, so well. I wouldn't want to change that. Even if Aubameyang was 100%, I'd still be tempted to go um, to go with, with Pepe over him on that left-hand side. And also, um, Mikel Arteta has been nominated for the Manager of the Month Award for January as well. So best of luck to our three nominees in those two respective categories. Just another quick point to add in the preview referee this weekend. And I had a look this time because it's starting to wind me up. Not that actually, actually not that I look at any of the referees and think that they're particularly competent or going to do a good job. But uh, Chris Kavanagh is the man in the middle for this one. And perhaps more worryingly, the VAR is David Coote, who's been involved in so many, so many controversial decisions this season um, from that VAR room. It amazes me that they still give him the job, honestly. So watch out for a dodgy VAR call uh, this weekend. You heard it here first because David Coote is, um, is, a, is a calamity, in my opinion. Right. Um, in terms of a prediction... I'm going to be positive this week um, and I'm going to go for a narrow Arsenal win. I'm going to go for Aston Villa 1, Arsenal 2. That's what I'm going with. I think Arsenal will, will, will go into a two-goal lead. Villa will peg us back, um, but we'll have enough to see it out. So that's where I'm at um, with this one. I'm feeling as though Arsenal certainly have what it takes to go and win this game. We certainly have the components within our team, the players, etc., etc., but it's going to be difficult. And we know that Aston Villa on their day are very capable also. So for me, Arsenal need to um, need to perform somewhere near to their maximum uh, to be able to achieve that result. But I feel like the performances are much better of late. As I said earlier on, I feel like if Arsenal can channel the frustration from the game at Wolves in the right way, um, that will stand them in good stead to go on, to be intense, to be dominating and to really put Aston Villa to the sword. Right, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Uh, just quickly, actually, drop some of your predictions uh, in the live comments. Let's see what you guys are saying. Pranjal Singh says 3-1 Arsenal. Louis Robson's gone for a 3-1 win to the Arsenal, but he's, he's caveated that answer with the word, hopefully. Uh, Inter Yanan's gone 1-0 Villa. Um Josh Hunter's gone 2-1 to the Gooners. And um, yeah, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. Uh, Zeus has gone for a 1-0 win to the Arsenal. Uh, James has gone for a 2-0 win to the Arsenal. Uh, Xander's gone 2-1 Arsenal. Aditya's gone 3-1 Arsenal. Now Lewis has gone 3-0 Arsenal. I don't know if everybody's being positive or if everybody's genuinely confident going into this game. Uh, Kai Hin says 1-0 to the Arsenal and Dean has gone for a 2-1 Arsenal win. 
Right. That's that. That's my uh, lineup for the game. I've given you my prediction, which is Aston Villa 1, Arsenal 2. We'll be back later on at 5.15pm for a look ahead to the Premier League fixtures more generally. I'll be looking at some of the other games. I'm going to announce a partnership as well that the Chronicles of Aguna um, is, is, is proud to announce uh, with Match Edge. Uh, so we'll be discussing that and how you guys as listeners and viewers of the show can also benefit from that partnership. So, um, yeah, very much looking forward to catching up with you guys later on. Don't forget, turn your notifications on. Subscribe if you haven't already. 5.15pm today, we will be back with more. Until then, ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.